Oh, I can uh, hear you. That's yeah, because well, I was not talking inside. We can't use any of that banter because you sounded so far away. Yeah. Now we're, now Have we're you seen it? Triumph of the Will? No. Matthias? Mm-mm. This won't be in the podcast. Do you know? What don't, tri- do you know Triumph of the Will is? You don't know what will or won't be in the podcast. Yeah, that's true. You that's do true. The well, then, then I don't care about asking this. Have you seen Triumph of the Will? Uh, no, do I you don't. Do you know what it so. is? It's another Hitler movie, right? It's the de facto Nazi propaganda documentary. Uh, right. That was in the 1930s, pre World War II. by someone. It was hired by Hitler, lady. and it's we watched it for this like documentary class I took, and it was about the way that they would choose to shoot it with low angles and really wide lenses to show the prowess. Yeah. Um, Jojo Rabbit, Critics on Tap, we were here. And we and were then there were three. It. And there were three of us for the first time ever. Um, yeah, Sam was unable to make it this week. And then Kiko was with us, but had to uh, had to leave early. And uh, so it's just me, Spencer, and Matias. Let's, uh, I'm Bo, I'm drinking whiskey, and I'm talking Jojo Rabbit. Let's uh, go around the circle and introduce ourselves. My name is Matthias, and uh, I am drinking the uh, Kraken Spice Drum with Pepsi, because I am a rebel. Uh, we're talking about what we drank at the movie, too? I guess. I don't know. I had a, a, a nitro milk stout, which is really good. Mm. Uh, it felt appropriate. And then I had a shake because I have, with rum, because I was having so much fun, I guess. Oh. I don't know. That's funny. Yeah, I had a con beer, the Austin Beer Works Wit Beer. Um, really good i did like it i haven't had it yet. yeah they called it a tropical wit beer i think it was on the rotating taps chalkboard sign up front oh. and every once in a while i look in there and if it's not a pale ale or an ipa which i don't like or stouts which i also don't like like usually i'm like oh, i'll give it a try that one sounded good and i was I gonna do it. an oktoberfest german like but they didn't have any mm. every time i hear the word nitro i think it was nitro thunder like the the speedboat racing game in every bowling alley ever in the 1990s we've established that no one is on your level spencer so how about you go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, hey it's spencer <laughs> i'm drinking uh evan williams and pepsi shout out to pepsi for trying um at the uh, and yet again alamo draft house has slighted me for having an electric jellyfish yet again because they're just always out of it mm. i don't know it's like whenever i try to go to mcdonald's uh, which i do a lot and try to get the apple pies and they just never have the apple pies it's a conspiracy i have you go to mcdonald's like on the regular? I'm pretty food illiterate. So uh, I don't cook, which is a, yeah. a quest of mine, but really like, stems I mean, yeah, the effort. Yeah. So back at, back in the day, yeah, definitely way more Mickey D's yeah. than anything. Like, I mean, don't, don't get it wrong. Like I've, I've, I mean, I eat Sonic today. So I mean, like I'm, I'm not above fast food, but like for some reason, McDonald's, I'm warming up I to Whataburger. I'm warming up to Whataburger. Yeah. I don't think I've had what? A burger. I definitely hadn't had a McDonald's burger in at least six or seven years, if not more. It's definitely been a while with McDonald's. I'm a, I'm a, bur- I'm a Burger is, King homer, though. I love Burger yeah. King. This my, I like the Impossible Whopper. I think I, I talked about that one on an earlier podcast. It's actually pretty good. I haven't tried it yet. Not, yeah. Probably not going to. I enjoy, it, I, tastes, it tastes just the, like a the, We'll talk about Whopper. this later, but the South Park episode about that is really good. Mm. I don't know. If we we always tend to go on these weird tangents for no reason, but I have to say that the McRib is back. So if you happen to be listening to this. Yeah, I saw a, Trump a, tweeted <laughs> on Sunday, Saturday night. Was something <laughs> something big is happening, exclamation point. And we were all just like, oh, cool, the McRib's coming back. <laughs> like, that's got to be what he's talking about. And I, and I still, to this day, I'm not sure if he was talking about anything else. I'm going to put my conspiracy. I haven't been watching I'm going to put my conspiracy. Conspiracy hat back on. I genuinely think he probably was, and then it actually told him after the fact that they killed 
killed the leader then, of ISIS. Yeah, and then this other thing happened. <laughs> he's like, probably talk about that because but. four hours later, after he was done playing golf, he staged a photo as if he was in in the decision making process, and he's probably like, you know, but where are the like? Did no one order the McRibs? Like, where are they? So we got to get I, them. We got to get. We got to get a hundred of them for the World Series winners when they come visit the White House. You're laughing, but that's going to happen. Yeah, I know. That's the world we live in. I laugh. They're going to run out I of McRibs because he orders all the rest of them in the D.C. area. Um, they're going to run out in D.C. quicker than the Popeye's chicken sandwich. It's true. What if, what's, a, okay, if that, what's the, what? No, stop it. No one's listening place. to our this podcast anymore. To no, no one's yes, listening are. anymore. Yes, they are. <laughs> Let's move on. To it's not live. We can always cut this out. <laughs> what other fast food chain makes a competitor rib a la Popeye's fried chicken sandwich to compete with the McDonald's? It's not even a real rib. Right? Yeah. But that, I mean, that's what it I'm is saying. a meat paste well, that's formed what I'm saying. into a weird. There's opportunity for somebody to jump in. Are we talking yeah. like KFC's jumping in on this one? Are we saying Arby's is going for the gold? Like they're putting okay. it all in on the rib competition or the faux rib competition? It's probably like copyrighted or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, like, I've, yeah, I've never seen anyone else doing like a rib style kind don't of thing. Don't be surprised what happens. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but I had uh, all that's to say, I had some other IPA because they didn't have electric jellyfish. I think it was the five one two IPA. So, are we still going to do a shout out thing or go around, or are we just fucking ruining it by whatever the hell we're talking about right now? Uh, we've like, already. Have we just like shit the bed on that? You know what? We should just end was, the podcast was, right yeah. now. Thanks, guys, for listening. <laughs> uh, Jojo Rabbit. Uh, <laughs> Go see it. Wait, what do you want to shout out? I do want want to shout out. uh, I did finish Peaky Blinders. I didn't get to say much about it last week. Ah, Um, We're on season three now, so don't say anything. I've been a big fan of uh, um, Killian Murphy for a while. And just like that whole series. Killian Murphy? It's Killian Murphy. It is actually Killian. I've always said Cillian for so many years, but apparently Killian's the right pronunciation. Yeah. So I've been a big fan of his uh, for a long time. I think since The Wind Shakes the Barley and stuff. And uh, I don't know. This is just such a good show for him. And uh, and all the characters on it, like, really hold their own as well. Um, But I have to say that someone needs to talk to me about this because I'm really confused. Season five, no spoilers, but it felt like half a season. What's really weird is I felt like, maybe you can tell me, it felt like every season... Really? It felt like every season... can't agree. um, Yeah. One through four... could have ended yeah. kitty blinders and up there just had they going had they town. not had they not um why are you spoiling right now they are just give me give dying. me like a, give me like a month that's what i'm saying ha, had, give me like a month and we'll talk about it no i'm saying like every season ended you could have stopped the series there and i would have been fine right do you feel that way like if they had stopped the series after like one two or three in or whatever oh, or one, i think that is a common um, thread with a lot of shows where they just go on and then they push it and then realize they've kind of gone too far. Well, this, one, well, this one ended on a really big cliffhanger and it felt like half a season. That's why oh, they felt like they raised they some things. You. Uh, it felt like they raised <laughs> some things. I mean, they're definitely coming back for another season, but I felt like this was something that they raised a lot of, they went bold with a lot of their choices, but then they didn't pay anything off and it felt like it ended on a cliffhanger. I was like, right, is that it? No, I feel like we have a half a season still left. And so that's, uh, that's my... <laughs> That's my own thing. I'm going to roast Kiko um, for a second here. Okay, yeah, go ahead. So anyway, someone, so, on hold on. someone talk to me about that, please, and find me, because I just want to talk about that. Anyway, go on. 
Kiko yeah. seemed physically harmed by this movie that we just watched. Yeah, he just posted wanna, on like, Facebook and Bo just showed it to I want to hold up like a little uh, Hitler doll and be like, show me the doll where this movie hurt you, Kiko. I can't remember the part why he, we were just yeah. trying to figure this out. I don't know why specifically he left the movie. I, I, what part? I can't remember. I just remember like, he, I thought he was going to I think it was like the yeah. pool scene. I can't remember. I think it was like the pool scene. But yeah, that that's, sounds reasonable. Which was uh, not even a third in so the just movie. not into like, quirky New Zealand humor, I guess. Yeah. So it's I guess we're watching. It very much is. So I guess we're watching Fly the Concord season one next pod. <laughs> it very much is like a a, a dry comedy movie. I don't know if we're get, actually getting into it now, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can talk um, about shoutouts, I guess. But yeah. I I I am bummed that he's not here because I, as somebody who has been physically hurt by movies that we've seen. I, I still think it's valid to voice that opinion. And oh, still, yeah, you like, really did not like, what were you? Zombieland. Yeah. The last, yeah. Whatever oh, the last really? Movie. Yeah, That's right. Really yeah. putrid fucking movie. Mm-hmm. But I still think that there's validity in talking about those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And you can still find things in those movies that, and we were just talking about this before. It's I think now with movies, not only tickets being more expensive and the whole idea of there being food and drinks, mm-hmm. I wonder what the percentage of people what the difference of people walking out of movies was 15 years ago to now, if it's mm-hmm. less, I bet it is just from that one sole factor. Yeah. Cause it's a commitment. Now. Cause before it's like, like you go to the movies, a five buck ticket movie sucks. The first 20 minutes you just leave. Yeah. Well, you used to be able to buy like all day tickets, right? You at least buy a ticket and then stay all day. Right. And like, not like sneaking just, into a thing. That was like when the cinema first started. So you get a, like yeah. a ticket from a cinema for X amount of movies I, or something. Yeah. I've never, I've never heard of this all day tickets. Was that a draft? That was like, that was like, no, no, no. I'm talking about like way back when cinema first started. Oh, you like know, you're talking oh. about like early 40s. Before 50, we were born. Yeah, like mm-hmm. before back then. Not something we experienced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's really It is obscure. interesting just, just to see that. So I, I'm bummed he's not here because not just to roast him because I'm just I'm just genuinely interested why he didn't like it because I'm sure I guess not yeah. we're about to get into it but I think we all really enjoyed. No, that movie. I'm bummed that I yeah. can't roast Kiko too. Yeah, this is the first one you've missed Kiko and we miss you and we miss making fun of you. Friendship really is missing yeah. missing them because you just want to roast their ass. We should That's probably true. like just just a note for the editors. We should probably just, just me and Matias. Um, we should probably just take this chunk of conversation and put it right after the shout outs and finish the shout outs. I yeah. agree. So yeah. Spencer. So what I've been watching uh, lately <laughs> is Peaky Blinders as well. Uh, not with Matias, but on my own some. Uh, what have I been watching lately? Um other than the NBA, oh, living with yourself. Sorry. Um, come back to me. You go first, both. Yeah, that was well, really bad. Sorry. I was gonna say, like, <laughs> I went with a lot of energy, yeah. and then I just realized I was I gonna. Don't I was gonna shout that. out Watchmen. Now has two episodes aired. Loving it so far. I'm curious to see where they go. I mean, it could still shit the bed, but who knows? But you just, but Matias, you just mentioned living with yourself, which I did watch. I watched mm-hmm. the first four of eight on the plane oh, in New Hampshire last week, and then I finished okay. it yeah. while I was there. Um, what did you think? And it was it was one of those shows that started out with a great concept of mm-hmm. like Netflix basically was so successful with Russian Doll being a let's do another Groundhog Day that they're like what other '90s thing can we do this let's do another multiplicity and mm. so they took that '90s gem with Michael Keaton and somehow rebooted it which is not actually what they did but. They started out with a really interesting, cool concept mm-hmm. that by the second half, uh, the back nine of the of the series, more or less, it was just sort of bleh on the writing and story aspect. But Paul Rudd 
and some of the supporting cast, especially his wife in the show, mm-hmm. are so goddamn affable that mm-hmm. you just you're just in it. You're enjoying it because of their, you know, their charisma. Yeah, and, and the I, whole thing. Working. I always but the story just kind of fell off for me. Had you not told me, I would have believed Paul Rudd had a twin brother. Like there, like had right. I not known Paul Rudd or something, I actually if you were literally in a believed. Of yeah, life, mm-hmm. and you never knew who Paul Rudd as an actor was, and it's yeah. the first thing you'd ever seen. You'd have been convinced that there are two different. Yeah, I thought he did such a good job of making believe there are two people in the room at all times. You yeah. know, and then of course, like a little bit of seam work and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and, and a shout out to like mm-hmm. the directors and everybody for like making that work with like photo doubles and stunt doubles i'm sure because oh, yeah. i mean they had like mm-hmm. fight scenes with mm-hmm. each other like it it was definitely a, a you know an achievement to accomplish what they did yeah but i will i will agree with you that i feel like the the show started off really strong and uh really interested in where it was going to go and then it kind of uh got cowardly like halfway through yeah in my words like it, it didn't want to um it take any of the risks that it was going for and and i kind of well, lost some of the yeah. stakes there it seemed like a show that was like they had the first couple episodes written and mm-hmm. the season was mapped and they started up and netflix was like go and they're mm-hmm. like oh shit and they just like scribbled down the last few episodes as quick as they like could they had the first two or three and, like, pretty and, thought it, yeah. out through and mm-hmm. then now that they were in like kind of in the weeds with it they kind of yeah had, just had the come up with something to wrap and there's it up. a there's a conceit with the show i, I don't think it's spoiling anything to go here but like they they show one perspective and they go back and they'll show another perspective of another character and i felt like we were just treading and too much of the same ground there you know it just yeah, wasn't it yeah. was unnecessary yeah. sometimes it kind of sure. like at the first t- couple times it was great but then it, it kept doing that and i was just kind of annoyed um though i will say that i like i did like yeah, the episode but- that focused on his wife at least, you know, it gave us that perspective because we hadn't seen her. Yeah, you know? but I mean, something like Russian Doll, which was the same amount of episodes overall time, roughly. Yeah. Like, di- and they did retread a lot they of did. things well, over yeah. and over, and never mm-hmm. once. I mean, even playing the same song and mm-hmm. the same shots, but things would be changing, and there'd be subtle differences that were more interesting. Like it, would, it just overall, like even the moments that were repetitive were somehow enlightening more so than I felt like living with yourself was doing yeah i believe that later on i you you keep mentioning russian doll and for some reason i keep thinking of another netflix show and that was uh carrie fukunaga's maniac um, i never with jonah hill and, yeah uh, and i think Mr. there was like because of the music similarities the tone was very mm. similar in like the music and the style and i thoroughly enjoyed maniac all the way through and i felt like that was i'll have to check that one out yeah i I, I felt like maniac wasn't afraid to like take risks um and push its characters into certain places uh and yeah um not similar subject matter but uh definitely uh was a discount uh maniac in my eyes i remember what i was gonna say i rewatched a documentary called show business which is about uh, the process of producing a Broadway musical in the 2000s, like the early 2000s. Oh. It was shot during the time that Wicked and Avenue Q were being developed. I was going to say, was, so this, was, some, was this during the Spider-Man so debacle too? That documentary's got to come out. I want to see... <laughs> I want to see... So not, nah, it doesn't cover that. No, no, no. Okay. This is like 2004. Mm. And this is like... Uh, Wicked and Avenue Q and two other shows are going to the process of being made. Those are the four film or plays, excuse me, mm. that they focus on. And it's very observational. It's, there's like the filmmakers aren't in it. It's very just following around people involved with the show. Stephen Schwartz, who worked on Wicked, talks, you know, they interview him and Dina Menzel, um, Avenue Q, the two sh- songwriters, not the, and they follow the book writer too. Um, and, and also from the perspective of the critics of 
Broadway musicals. It's an interesting business. It's much more truly about the process of, you know, we think of Broadway shows lasting years and years and years and years, but one of the shows in the story, um, much like in our, the film world is more of like an indie musical that got a lot of support from people who took pay cuts to make it happen and got a lot of producers who just really wanted to support the show. It wasn't really going to be a big viable thing. Um, and it didn't last that long on Broadway, even though it was nominated for best musical at the Tonys. Um, and same, there's another one called, it was about the boy George, but it was written by boy George, the musician and Rosie O'Donnell was the producer on it. And this was at the time where Rosie was going through like a court case with her, one of her agents or managers or something like that. So that mm-hmm. both the, you know the the gossip of that was both helping the show and hindering and that show also closed way too soon even though it was nominated for several several tony so it's interesting coming from the theater world and revisiting it again was really cool and also my kid cousin was in a production of spring awakening and it was my first time experiencing spring awakening so that was really interesting it was wild they it was done by high schoolers which is kind of crazy because mm-hmm. the second song is that's like about masturbation and there's like mm-hmm. that's about abortion and some person kills themselves and it's set in victorian I mean, sweden and it's there's a famous really, really scene heavy. in the yeah no um, <laughs> the and show. it's interesting because during the show they used multimedia like they would pause the show and there was five questions in the show about things like the serious subjects and the, the audience uh-huh. had to go on the this website on their phone the first time they were like encouraging people to go on their phones and then they would answer a b or c or d about facts and it's mostly things like out of the country what uh where's texas as far as like teen abortions go or like teen pregnancies go and texas is fourth in the nation it was things like that that are like holy but we're working our way up to first (laughs) y'all oh my god so that was my sam joke that i you know we miss sam too yeah (laughs) we probably actually need her to wrangle us in but um but it was interesting like seeing obviously like my kid cousin who's now like at the age to be that kind of content are you gonna give it a score can you give it can you score this for your cousin Uh, you mean like the show how good they were they were actually really good i was really jealous this is also done the st andrews like art like the big building the dell building they have it's this amazing theater facility that i would never in my entire lifetime be able to get to perform some venue like that so kind of jealous but the kids were great you know it's a high, high school high school show. version of spring awakening two thumbs up from spencer mirable i i would think so that was good the band <laughs> you know what was the best part of that show not to digest the uh, band the musicians in that show oh, fucking yeah. incredible oh they had a live they had like a live orchestra yeah. and they were like as close to professional as it gets can you find that documentary anywhere Is literally that, youtube it it's show YouTube. business you can just, okay. uh, show business okay. i typed in broadway musical documentary Oh. 2000s and it shows up in your okay. search but it's called show business the whole thing's on free broadway take it off. is definitely owns that its movie. own world um, for yeah sure. and if you're if you're even if you're not a theater head you'll find something in it it's a really interesting story okay cool go watch that and now uh on to talking about things that won't get cut out of the podcast episode <laughs> our opinions on the movie itself. <laughs> my kid cousin's uh version <laughs> of spring awakening let's talk about that yeah <laughs> speaking of spring awakenings um springtime for hitler is, um, is Jojo Rabbit ever going to be adapted into a stage musical? Yeah, and you know, um, it, it's funny because <laughs> you know people are like, "How That's do you, you know? How do you satirize and make light of you know Hitler and all of this stuff?" And I mean, obviously, the producers was mm. the you know the first to really do it successfully well and be so iconically known mm-hmm. in the zeitgeist is still being reproduced and remade um, constantly, but. Uh, Jojo Rabbit, it was uh, a dark comedy that I just, I mean, I was tickled so much. And I went from 
being tickled and laughing a lot to a very like I don't know if you'd it, it, I don't know if you'd call it necessarily a three act structure, but if like the second act got darker and more tonally serious for a little bit, I'd call it a five act kind of. Yeah, thing. I think There's it was like probably a mid, it's a more it's more accurate to say like yeah. yeah, it was maybe more of a, a five act and maybe somewhere between like act three to four mm-hmm. it became there is a bleak for a while turning and then, point and then, into that back half. Yeah, I know what you're saying, and then it you know and then it came humorous again, but I mean it, it to go from like laughing for half a movie. To then actually tearing up to the, by the end, just like smiling like a little kid. I thought it was extremely well executed uh, on such a weird tightrope of a sub- subject matter to to walk. Um, and was a just an amazing commentary on kind of being indoctrinated. Um, so, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I recommend it everybody see this movie and form your own opinions of it some people may not like it apparently and that's okay but i thought it was brilliant i think there's a lot of things to take away from it what about y'all i I, is it did anybody else have this strong sensation of thinking about moonrise kingdom when you watch this movie Hmm, a little. I think the uniforms and the way that it starts off and the way that it's shooting, I could understand that. I never saw Moonrise, yeah. Moonrise Kingdom, but it definitely oh, okay. felt like oh, so. You but it definitely, no, 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 no. So, then you don't. Yeah, so, not to so, spoil that movie, but that's my favorite Wes Anderson Sam, movie. Sam Rockwell felt a lot like the Ed Norton character in Moonrise Kingdom. It was like the camp leader. And weirdly enough, also the Taika Waititi character. Like, cause I mean, it's interesting because yeah. Taika, a little bit, a little bit Taika too, wasn't, yeah. didn't write the role for him to be in mind. The only reason the producers jumped on it is they said, you can make this movie and we'll help produce it, but you have to play Hitler. Yeah. He said that, I don't know, but specifically it was a print interview or he said that in like some talk show, you know, the, the run up to mm-hmm. this movie, but you know, his writing, and we've talked about this before in the well, past, where we talked it. about, uh, when I mentioned the, what we do in the shadow show mm-hmm. early, like on one of the podcasts we had, but he's such a specific writer and, in, mm-hmm. in both mm-hmm. writing for children and for adults. And I guess that's what it is, is the yeah. adults and the children in Moonrise Kingdom, similar, um, writing for children's style, very like put the words of adults in their mouth, but also it somehow still feels believable because yeah. the children, the sticks, these kids are so high and they're performed so well. I would agree with the sentiment. I, I thought it was incredible. I thought it was yeah. really, really good. And a part of me at first, because there is, I mean, Moonrise Kingdom and Wes Anderson in general treads that line of almost being like a neutral emotion the whole time. Like obviously you feel things in his movies, but there is this weird neutrality to all the things that happen in this movie because you know mm-hmm. it's kind of children's-esque storytelling, silly. It's all steeped in silliness of Wes Anderson. But this movie had big emotional ups and downs. You yeah. know, you know, obviously the imagery of the Third Reich in and of itself is kind of tricky, but he doesn't shy away from that. And at first I thought, whoa, does that make it like tonally confused? But then I came across the idea of, no, that just means he's not afraid to both have a movie that's incredibly funny, incredibly kind of disturbing and incredibly heartwarming, all kind of bunched together. Mm. I think he, Tightrope is, is a great uh, metaphor for that you know uh, I can see why people were viscerally bummed out by this movie because there was reports of it's both won a big major award at a film festival and critics are shitting all over it so I can see mm. why though but it is I can see why people either fall off the tightrope or get all the way to the end and feel satisfied interesting so I definitely recommend it to um, I, I don't know everybody because obviously we've literally had somebody who didn't like it but um i think if you're not willing to allow a movie to be more than just one genre 
then it's definitely not for you. But if you're willing to kind of take a, almost a, a five in one movie and yeah, I think you'll be pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. Yes. Uh, on kind of an off topic before I get into my stuff is it, do you, do you all, do either of y'all think, uh, fans of, uh, Taika's, uh, Thor Ragnarok would enjoy this movie? Because I feel like, they I mean, totally it is, different. it's different though. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it really is. Those, those, there's a lot of Thor Ragnarok fans that solely love that universe. Mm-hmm. If you're a Taika fan, you will, because if you've but, seen yeah. Hunt for the Wilder People, what we do in the, especially specifically, I mean, yeah, uh, so what so we do in the shadows is very, is definitely steeped in silliness the whole yeah. time. But mm-hmm. Hunt for the Wilder People was much more of an indicator and companion piece to yeah. this movie than anything. So. Yeah. So the answer is not, it's, it's not every Ragnarok fan is going to like this, but the Ragnarok fans who were actual, uh, Taika Waititi fans, are definitely going to enjoy this movie. Yeah, I guess that was my question because uh, the thing about Taika is he has done. Um, uh, he he finds a way to like bring himself into each one of his projects, but they all feel somewhat differently. You know, they don't. It doesn't. It's not like oh, yeah. you love Thor Ragnarok, you're gonna love this because you love Taika. You know, yeah, yeah. and he was even being like um, at one point he was on board to do the Akira movie yeah um which is completely not a comedy i don't know if any of you either of y'all have seen akira but yeah. anyway um that's a that, so uh that could my thoughts on the movie uh are, are kind of like in in that sense um well one thing two things i want to say one is is Bo. anytime you say something tickled you it just always feels wrong like it's hmm. coming from a serial killer. So I don't, there's something about your deep voice. I thought it was being very like, I 40s was tickled, you know? trope uh, uh, language. I thought it was appropriate for the movie we were watching. Yeah, I'm just me. It probably is You're something along a the lines of like, like listening to podcasts like Conan O'Brien um, or other people who are just like, that just tickles me. Like it just Conan like, does say tickles Like a lot. it does, I think it is just those types of like language um, that is just sort of seeped in by people that are, and they're doing it in this kind of like tone and conversation where they're just like i'm boiled over by this like style of humor and that's just like i don't know maybe well, it's just been on really, my mind because of that i yeah. really uh really did <laughs> not want to get into a, a physiological uh conversation about it but yeah, okay, well, we're in know, the weeds uh, now so you know uh, and, fuck it and the other thing is uh i think <laughs> that what you said uh is is a very uh, the thing about um satirizing this uh, kind of subject matter, right? Yeah. Is the exact way I I I started feeling when this film started because it starts off um, uh, with the title sequences and stuff with like archival footage. You know, you mm. get like a couple of laughs right from the main character Great and everything. German and cover then, uh, of the Beatles, yeah, by the and way. then they go into this yeah. archival oh, yeah. footage. Starting yeah, starting with um, "I Want to Hold Your Hand" by the Beatles. Yeah, um, and and that archival footage threw me. Because that, like, I was like, oh, I'm in for this movie. It's like really funny, you know. And then the title start, and then I was like, oh, yeah, it was really not a good time, you know. Like, I, I, yeah. I got that, to this point that, where I was the, like starting to feel this weird thing. I was like, am I gonna like this movie because of the? But uh, the brilliance of showing the fandom around Hitler at the time was like his rise of success. That like, footage, it would I think, was from happened. Triumph of the Will, which is that documentary yeah. that he, the pro propaganda of German or the Nazi regime. But it was cool because yeah. they had it in that 60s, speaking of the song, because they have the Beatles song, I Want to Hold Your Hand, but done in German. And it's almost like that. He was a rock star to them. Yeah. That he was he was the Beatles to Germany. 
yeah. Know, before the war, he, it, he saved them from yeah, poverty. And, and some like, of those shots was, of the crowds, was the deity to them, you know? Like, while the Beatles were playing, like, it definitely felt like, you know, oh, this is from a time period that was a few decades ahead of uh, the, the, the British invasion time period that happened here at the Beatles, but then all the way through present day, what's happening with, like, Trump rallies where you see, you know, tens of thousands of people <laughs> crowds cheering. Like, and it is, like, it is one of these things where you see people, and not to say, I, I'm sorry to the Beatles, you're not the same as Trump and Hitler. I apologize, those are two separate things. But I will say that there is a, like, this fandom, this, like, kind of fervent fandom that happens with people um, did happen with Hitler. A lot of people didn't realize it because we always kind of just shit on that time period as being like, oh, this is like some dark morose thing. And how did anyone in Germany, like how did they not all rise up and fight against it? But I think that's why this movie was so important to kind of say, you know, like, hey, th- like that's not how it was in the at the time. Uh, there, there were, were rebels l- within the, you know, the ranks of people in Germany. Yeah, there was so much misinformation that... Um, people just didn't have a full understanding of what was happening. And only with retrospect now in hindsight, do we look back on it differently? I think that's what I, I, I would, I would wager that that's what Taika Waititi kind of set out to do, especially not just in America, but over the last few years um, with the rise of kind of fascism and right wing, right wing extremism. You know, you got uh Boris Johnson uh, in England and other places where you're just, you know, this is one of those things that's sort of like resurfacing and like rearing its hug- ugly head again. And I feel like that that had to have been like the the catalyst for him to try to make this type of movie and kind of say like, hey, like it, not everyone who believes this is a bad person. They're just misinformed. So I feel like that was kind of what he was going for. I don't know how y'all feel about that. Matthias, to continue what you were saying too as well. Uh, I wasn't confused by it to continue what i was saying the uh that's how i was starting to feel as that was going on like this weird kind of like pull of like oh, should we really be satirizing this kind of thing or whatever and all that kind of stuff you know but just like what i was trying to say was that like that w- was my thought process going into it and i think that's a very good question that you raised and then this movie just like that feeling it just it it really um it really justified itself, you know, and especially like halfway through, mm-hmm. um, it, it did, um, you know, at first I was worried, but it, it slowly changed my mind. Just like the, you know, main character kind of goes mm. through his changes and stuff. And that's mostly what I was just trying to say there. Um, so yeah, so I guess, uh, so for this movie, um, I will say that like, I, I, this is a, I will say that if it wasn't for that back half, which I know we're going to get into in spoilers, I don't know how much I, I would have loved this movie. I mean, I loved the, I thought it was funny um, and entertaining and uh, Scarlett Johansson was really sweet in the whole thing. I thought she was really great as like the mother and, and giving us a, a lot of fun moments between her and the son and everything, you know, and, um, and these kids are just, fantastic yeah <laughs> there's like they were just uh completely like awesome uh so yeah there's there's something there i really loved all of that but then it wasn't like a mounting to like anything for me and it, you know clearly like mm-hmm. taika has something more to say or do there you know and i think that it's when that it hits that halfway point um and it really i i i just really end up loving it even more you know um it's hard to say without going into all that, like, um, 
much more about like how I feel about the movie. I will say that this again, as you said, like if I you fit this into more of like um, hunt for the wilder people, you know, um, I won't. Mm-hmm. I would say like this is probably. Um, I like will say what, what we what wise. we do in the shadows is is better, uh, and I think that also Thor Ragnarok is probably better, even though what? Thor Ragnarok fits in like a, a different kind of like world with its. Uh, its you really believe that? It's um yeah, like I you know I I did like this film, and I, and there's some things that I really loved in spoiler territory, but at the end of the day. I think there's something uh, I don't know. I don't know, but I don't know what it is about this. Movie. I just didn't laugh as much. Maybe something about that, the maybe it is because it's taking a lot of chances and not trying to. You know, I think Taika, with even though he took a lot of chances in Thor Ragnarok, it's still a Marvel movie. It's mm-hmm. still an everybody movie. Mm-hmm. Like even if you you don't have to be a Taika with TV fan to enjoy it. You even yeah. if you are, you'll love. You know, yeah. somehow gets mm-hmm. suckered into watching a superhero movie yet again. Um, I think it's somehow like the amazing part of that movie was it drew people from opposite sides of the fandom together. Whereas this movie, it didn't again, give a shit it, about again, the broad it didn't appeal. Really, it really didn't care about a demographic. It, it knew that it needed to sort of exist in, in, in the mannerisms that it went about doing it. Um, and it didn't seem afraid to lose a couple people along the way. I think that, I think again, I, Which a, was lot, surprising. a lot of the thoughts of like, maybe why it just wasn't, you know, I, I wouldn't put it up there with his, his other movies, I think is, is a spoiler territory thing, but well, let's that, rock and roll. Let's but do it that then. said, is it's a I, I would still recommend people watch it, and it's a very sweet, charming, and uh, um, somewhat emotional movie. You, you know, should you see feel, Moonrise you Kingdom. You feel a lot of different. Uh, you would judge um, You know, yeah, that was one thing. I'm surprised I wanted there's to a Wes say, Anderson movie you haven't um, seen. I mean, that's just I. I'm not as I. I don't know that I'm as big a fan of a Wes Anderson as other filmmakers are out there, but. Um, I was worried actually that this was like when it first started off, it was very Wes Anderson-y. So you weren't wrong in there. Like it was definitely like Ramon. That opening opening sequence like kind of reeked of that. There's very much a Moonrise Kingdom. The color palette The trailer especially felt more like a Wes Anderson Uh, movie, which is a movie steered away from in its own way. Yeah. So I'm glad Taika put his own spin on it. So I can say that like I, I, you know, that feeling went away completely because I didn't want another Wes Anderson movie. Um, especially from Taika, like I wanted to see what he would do, you know. And he, I felt like it, it felt less, it felt like more like a Taika movie than it would have a Wes Anderson movie. So I was really happy about that. I think so. that's why I admire it a lot more. And the more I'm thinking on it, the more what we've been stepped away from walking on the movie. I think that's why I find admiration because I, lo- again, I love Moonrise Kingdom. I actually put it in like my top ten favorite movies. But mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how I feel more about this movie because I'm, it. Man, it really went to a place that I was not expecting and was both bummed out and subsequently really stoked on in like a 20-minute span. I went from being like, oh, I don't know, like this might go in a place that I'm not buying into. And then the more I think about it, how clever and how well executed, and we'll talk about the kids in a sec, but both the kids, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, when we watched Good Boys, I remember asking the question, which one of these kids is going to, like breakthrough from this, both of those kids were unreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had reservations, but there's some stuff and some moments that they have to have to get through in terms of the performance that are really tough. 
man, they nailed it. And to be clear, you're not talking about the young Nick Frost character. It was a Simon Pegg, Nick, Nick Frost. Uh, yeah, uh, the friend, the friend of was JoJo, a, the main character. Is, yeah, I, I there's felt a like walk this and talk the, near the end of the, the film. The origin like, yeah. story of the two Shaun of the Dead leads. Yeah. Like the, is, that, uh, is, the, is that their grandfathers? Si- yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, these yeah. are the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. But man, even I would say that kid too, though. I mean, all three of them were yeah, like... Just stellar beyond belief. And, wonderful and, comedic timing. And if I were also, to look back on Moonrise Kingdom, actually the actors in those movies, the kids at least, like the, the two main characters, the kids, you've seen the boat, right? Yeah, oh, the God, boy yeah. and the girl, they're all right. Yeah, like they were fine. We're taking these. Kids I mean, there are moments take, in Moonrise take Kingdom. Those, that's take the brilliant. kids in Jojo Rabbit and plant them in that movie. Yeah. It's an all timer. This movie was something different. This movie actors. seemed to show Taika's cards a little more because we've. I love him a lot, but mm-hmm. I think we all written him off as some very specific quirky New Zealand. I mean, even the pre-show, it, they watched some films of, that he made when he was. I would assume in his mid twenties for like, these forty-eight hour film festivals, and they're they're wonky. Like he plays every character in them. Like it's just him, and he like shaves his beard to play different characters in it. And it's you can see the influences and in him like figuring out his voice. But I think this movie was a we needed to see what when the chips were down, what was he going to give us? And maybe that's why I'm so impressed. Is I f- I think we saw the totality of his toolbox in this movie, both the balance of his humor and really really good control of the emotional stuff Mm, okay i mean if that's true then i'm worried (laughs) to be very honest because i hope that there's more from him Uh, and again we can just because you show over tool doesn't mean you have to show Uh, the full uh, capacity of that tool yeah (laughs) i mean i i would argue that like david fincher probably showed every tool in the 90s but that doesn't mean he stopped making great films later on i would agree yeah i think that's a good take too because like seven is very similar. Like when you revisit seven, you're like, man, you get everything in this movie. Yeah. And then he doubles down on it every time. And then, I mean, yeah. Yeah. and then it doesn't mean he's just going to make the same, like he's not going to make Jojo rabbit again, you yeah. know, the same movie with the same beat points and the same, all funny or all sad or balance of both. You can see that whatever project's going to be thrown his way, whether it's going to be the second Thor movie that he's going to do, the Love of Thunder. Um, I know he's not he's not doing a care anymore, right? Is that what you said? He's left the project. And people have dropped out, and I think he's one of the. I don't. But know. if he it's, were to do something a, like that, I, I could see him. I don't know if Akira is the right content for him, but I think no matter what's given to him, he's going to make the most out of it with the best with the right tools. And I think I I feel excited for him. I feel really, really excited for him. Okay. Yeah. Um, I want to get into spoiler stuff. So, meh, meh, meh. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> did you know the Germans <laughs> lost the war? Yeah. <laughs> That's how that works. Um, What's your hot take on that? <laughs> That's good. I was thinking, so while, uh, to transition into it, I was thinking about, um, earlier today I was listening to Edward Norton has uh, mother's Brooklyn premiering, uh, here this week at awesome film festival. So he's oh. been, on, he was on podcasts, uh, both Mark. He was on, Mar- Bill Simmons he was on the other day. Yeah. He was, uh, both today, Mark Marin and Dak Shepard released podcasts with Edward Norton, uh, on the Mark Marin one. He was, uh, talking about the first ever screening for an audience of fight club back in 1999. And, he was like me and Brad Pitt, like smoking smoked a joint. a joint and just like, we were just like really high and the energy in the room was terrible. Like it was all negative. They were booing. 
people were vocally booing this movie. And he's like, we were just high. And we we're like, this is Brad Pitt's like, this is probably the best movie I'm ever going to be in. And everyone's like, yeah, me too. And they're just hugging and they're like, you know, like whatever we love it. But like that movie is now a cult classic that everyone cites as it's weird as, as hearing you say movie. that now when you said that in the Mark Maron podcast, cause he literally just said that in the Bill Simmons podcast a week ago. Is yeah. he just going to tell I, that? I it's an amazing story. Like I, yeah. I love that story, but it's yeah. interesting that he's just guess, saying yeah. that same story. I guess the same like, thing well, is late night shows and podcasts. Um, are you saying that this movie is going to be the same? No, I'm not saying uh, like not necessarily fight club stature, but I do think it's interesting whenever critics who he also referenced in the interview where um, people were talking about raging bull uh, when that came out in 1980 and how many he's like the specific critics who panned it, who then later on in the nineties released a best of the eighties list of movies and raging bull would be on it. These same critics who panned it when it first came out mm. and somebody like compiled those and kind of showed like, Hey, fuck you. Um, I do think this is one of those films that is not necessarily going to stand up to those classics, uh, cult classic kind of standards, but I do think it's one that the critics are wrong and most of them will eat crow. Not all of them. I mean, some are on the, mm. on the boat, but I, I, I'm curious too. Like, does this? T- I mean, award seasons or whatever. But does does yeah. this movie? It won an award that traditionally has gone to an Academy Award Best Picture nominated film, let alone Best Picture winner. I I think yeah. it won't get it because you of might, what you were you just saying. A, because people are so volatilely one or the other. You might see an original screenplay nomination. Weird indie films like this tend to get those, but beyond that, it's yeah, like a it may not get. It's like. Yeah, it may not get a lot of love with the awards, but who knows? I mean, it depends on how much the the studio Scarlett Johansson kind of pushes it. But best yeah, supporting actress, and, I, mean, and Sam, I mean, even Sam Rockwell playing a very racist cop in Three Billboards managed to win the Oscar for best supporting. So he's kind of a little bit of a weirdest awards speech ever to darling. He looked really high when he got that award. Yeah. Weirdest. I like this. Never mind. I like him too. I know not to say no, the speech. I like the speech, but he, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. He, the Oscars are funny because there's, there's two camps. There's the, the crying and the prepared written speech. And then there's the, and then there's Olivia Coleman. Also <laughs> just wasted drunk. Well, that's what I'm saying. And, and I, I liked it in a good way. Like Sam Rockwell went up there and was Sam Rockwell. Like he was having, he was having a good time. He's telling his wife, his wife that she liked his fire baby. And he's just how you could tell he was like, had been having a couple drinks and was having a good time. Guillermo on the red carpet gave him a little bit of his tequila from Jimmy Kimmel. But Sam Rockwell was great in this too. Sure. Um, is, is it, I'm curious to hear what you think since you were alluding well, to uh, 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 a little, uh, well, I don't know correct word here is, but because uh, I am had another whiskey, but apprehension. Biggest gut punch of 2019. I will give it that. This movie. Uh, Are you talking about the scene? That the, yeah, the, no, I'm the, talking about spoilers. Uh, we find out we like uh, Scarlett Johansson, the mother gets hung. And whenever he he discovers this kid discovers her, that was like the moment this film got me, you know, and it was the biggest gut punch. And um, I don't think I I, like my eyes were like were like wavering, I think, for almost the rest of the movie. Like I was like there was like even the funny things I was like, "Ah," I like I wanted to cry for some for some reason, you know, so I will give the movie that that there's it came out of nowhere 
and it was a very um, emotional moment for this character and for us as an audience. And I think it's all the power of Scarlett Johansson doing the, uh, whatever she could with this character, but like making us really enjoy her as a mother, you know? Um, Maybe that's why I feel admiration because it earns every moment that's heavy early on. It really, slow burn is not the right term, but it really allows organically for everything to feel earned at the end. Mm-hmm. We, we've all seen Hunt for the Wilder People, right? No. Not so all there's the a sequence through. in that movie where there's a, another, a shootout and it's they cuts to shots that are funny, you know, like shooting the guns and things like that and people are laughing even though it's ridiculous. In this movie, this uh, the end sequence is the Americans and the Russians and the the French, you know, all coming down on this town this kid lives in and shooting all the German soldiers and then the kid who this whole movie has been again because of the propaganda of the youth wanted to fight for the nazis and he's a proud nazi and hitler this idea of hitler is his imaginary best friend taika watiti plays the imaginary hitler of what he uh, thinks of and then we get in this i would say the third act i don't know five act structure or whatever you would call it the last the last part of it where he's in the middle of an actual big fight and there are shots that are genuinely in a vacuum very very funny like Rebel Wilson going out with the machine gun and the fighting and the shot cutaway shots of people flying in the air. But then somehow, some way, also I did anybody feel weird and stunted and wanting to laugh, but also not wanting to laugh at the same time because it is you because you, you're with the character at that point. You're with the kid being like, "Whoa, fuck, this is horrible." Yeah, I mean, he definitely was going through like kind of a fucked up journey enough to where you're just like, oh man, like I'm in. Like, but, I mean, it almost. I mean, it was like saving Private Ryan, that type of like yeah. in depth. Um, in a movie that really emerged oh, up to that point, yeah. really charming and goofy, and what Matias said, like the Scarlett Johansson character, um, this mother who is very complicated too, but you can you can believe this is the kid of that mother, you mm-hmm. know, very dramatic and but somehow takes life very carefree is not the right word maybe it's uh optimistic you know even in a moment of dire um it made me think of that uh life is beautiful that italian filmmaker who made the film about roberto benini roberto benini who like made a film that was even though it takes place in a concentration camp very has some light-hearted moments of trying to keep your um optimism going in a time of dire you know straights same thing like she knows this horrible thing is happening and she's on the side of the german that we said like germans who didn't believe in hitler or the war and that was Mm -hmm. all awful even against the propaganda had a conscience of mind to say no this is wrong Mm -hmm. um and when we lose her in this we we don't see her hung like on the ropes we see her feet because she has these shoes that are so Mm -hmm. iconic and then you know there's this through line of the kid not being able to tie his shoes like a rabbit you know and which is borderline goofy, you know, a little too much, <laughs> too much. Like, oh, I get it, get it. Like, yeah, a little tired. on the nose. It was borderline. So it was borderline. But, but some, you know, he he again like brought us back back to the tightrope. Um, but we just see the shot of her shoes hanging because early in the movie we see them come up to people who are hanging, and she like turns her head. He looks away, and she turns his head back to them and says, "No, you need to see this. You need to see the what's happened. This injustice that's happening here." And um, it's really fucking sad. Even though the kid doesn't necessarily, like he does his best, he cries a little bit, but you know, that's, you're at a kid actor, you can't really create the totality of what that means to somebody. But even then, like that doesn't matter. 
I didn't. It didn't take me out yeah, of it. No, it didn't take me, me out of it all. It was yeah. haunting. Well, I well, what I want to say is that even though the that moment is uh, executed really well, and I love the through line with the shoes thing, even though I, I knew the shoe thing was going to come up later, I just didn't know how, and that was definitely like I didn't want it to be that. You know, I was like, yeah, that's not what I wanted. And thanks a lot, Taika, for making me cry. Um, but I, it was executed really well, including the scene after when he goes to stab the Jew girl uh elsa and but there's this girl who's I, living in the house that that scarlett johansson's character cool. is hiding and yeah the trailer show that um but here's the thing though i'm telling kiko because here's he my part of it. here's here's my uh my here's the thing though is like i don't know that that i don't understand why mm, the moment works but it doesn't do anything for the story it like it 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 just it just gives us a sad moment it, and i'm just like, a, I, like, his, like his ideology point. is his ideology is like at odds with his mother's ideology and i felt like that was like something that like could have been tackled differently but instead we just kill her off and then he's like he just looks at her in this in this way instead of like at all understanding like what she was for or against yeah. but he's 10 he's not to me it was a turning point to me it was a there's no going back moment i don't think it, he's gonna fully understand it because no one can fully understand yeah. that in the moment but what i was just saying about this end sequence that happens after that this this battle scene and he's in the middle of it and it's in kind of a high frame rate slow motion moment and he's just it cir- keeps circling around the carnage around him. That moment with the mother has to happen to then allow that moment to feel earned. It's not necessarily the, oh my God, I now understand everything moment. It's the the turning point, no turning back, more, the, it's now going to settle in. It's now, there's, this kid is now truly going to turn away from being, originally he was totally a Hitler head. Was, like a, yeah, but I don't, I think that was already happening if you take the whole thing out of his mother dying i don't think anything would have changed with that I, it doesn't feel like that was the moment you like, said her name is elsa mm-hmm. he needed to let her go this is the this, this is the been critics this on is path. the slow can, uh, this is can, a slow uh, punch in on jim from the <laughs> office zooming in on him after michael scott says that's what she said um, I, I can see what you're saying. I disagree, but I, I could see how I could see how you feel that way. I, I genuinely felt it was a big turning point for him. And again, that whole third act is very dark. Everything mm-hmm. after that, yeah, that comedy is for, stunted for at, least, at that point. For at least other ten than or the fifteen very, very minutes, end. there's no jokes. Other than the very very end, yeah, there's there's is, really it, no humor for at least ten or fifteen minutes after that moment, and then it does start to get back into the humor. Um, but even then, Tyka's like the, the very tone, the tone has rhythmic. changed at that point. He knows point. when to, you know, it's not necessarily even just plot based. It's much more of, I need to have a moment that sets in specifically the stakes of things mm-hmm. so that when other things happen right after that, you know, you're not going to be so stunted. I can see people without that moment getting to the final act where there is kind of crazy carnage and crazy, like disturbing imagery that we see being kind of turned off mm-hmm. i could see that and, and also not to i'm not to say that the person really needed to die but like you know she had nothing to lose and she put it on the line for him and we talk about the example you know he he was kind of ashamed of her as a kid um as a role model but she was the ultimate role model for why he's 
you know, even though he, you know, there's a conversation she has or Elsa says something where like, you're, you're not one of them. You know, you may think you are, but you're just a 10 year old kid. It's not necessarily that he's just a 10 year old kid. She knows that he's sweet because she knows her and he knows he's, he is of her. He is never not going to be, you know, kin akin to her emotionally, his mother at least. Um, and there's that scene where there, um, there's several scenes of this where like they're on the waterfront and she ties his shoelaces together. Um, and these moments that these, these characters, even though they ideologically fundamentally disagree, still love each other very deeply. You have mm-hmm. to take that away from him to raise the stakes. You can't not do that. Scarlett Johansson's character can't live to the end of that movie. I don't. She lives. Then the, I don't I, know, it's not, the impact's not there. I don't know. I I kind of disagree that it, it raised any stakes. Well, I still think that the moment was great and beautiful and 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 well executed. I just don't know that it You're just a hater, really put any stakes there because after that he like I mean the whole movie it ends with a quote that's about kind of like letting go the and poem kind of moving, the yeah, poem. and just being happy and and letting I don't know I can't remember what like, slide let slide things off. The feeling you know? is not final, right? You know, yeah, and it just like it didn't. I didn't realize that was what the movie wanted to be about. And I guess until the movie ended and it showed me that quote, which I guess is fine. And I guess it makes sense, but I was like trying to figure out, is this movie about love? Um, or is it about, you know, like, so it had this like weird, like it was doing like a love story, like Moonrise Kingdom. I think Moonrise Kingdom probably did that uh, way better, you know? Um, and, and then it, it did it differently. And it, it, and it was totally different. clearly like we'd seen, we'd seen this thing of like, okay, we get it. Um, Nazis are bad and, 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 uh, they were wrong and stuff. And like, it's an enemy, like uh, empathizing with his, his, uh, what he thought was a monster, you know, and, and realizing it's just a human being, you know, like I get it, but that, and that, but that doesn't align, neither of those things line in with the quote, you know? And I think the only thing that lines with, aligns with that quote is the, um, the mother's death. And I'm like, what else are we like letting go or like kind of as you as the the quote said like is not final like yes like you know i don't know i think i mean not to get we've been pretty political on this podcast so who cares but i think much like when gun violence happens in your town people don't care until it happens to them yeah and i think like you know we can all get up on a table and pretend like we care about gun violence more than anybody else in this country but we only care until it happens to us. That's at least been very factually true when it comes to, especially the state of Texas. Now there's this big uprising with people who are used to be on the fence are now like, Oh yeah, I guess we do have to change things. You know, they weren't on the fence until something happened in El Paso. You know, I think the same could be said for this, you know, we we can all talk about it, but mm-hmm. you know, the way that Taika uses empathy is really to say, you know, um, people do things, take things personally. And once they take things personally, the floodgates open. So I, I can see where you feel that way. Again, I don't want to discredit your opinion on that, but I definitely think that's what he was, his intentions were with that decision. His, his intentions were to say, you know, that kid wasn't going to, there was going to be no breakthrough until something happened to him personally on a very personal level. And same, the same can be said for the scene uh, when, who's a very tall actor? Stephen Merchant. Stephen Merchant. I, I've recognized him. I just didn't know his name, but yeah. him, but he's a Nazi and his, his Nazi friends come in um, and they're searching the place. It's clear that there was, that there's been a tip off that a, a Jew was in the house. 
Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're checking the house. And then, uh, the girl pretends to be, uh, the young boy's sister. His, his sister has died. Um, and she used to be a friend of his sister. So she pretends to be a sister, which is really mm-hmm. ballsy. Like to, to, to do yeah. that in that moment, that scene was really tense. I don't know if anyone felt that. I, yeah. I was kind of, mm, no. it, I felt like it wasn't yeah. tense enough, but th- to each his own. Again, that was, that was one of those things where it kind of, I think like, it's also, the, it it deflated, how sucked the in balloon, you are into that moment. The balloon deflated as soon as she came out and started like acting like the sister. Like I, the, for some reason there were no longer any stakes there. I knew, I guess there's something about it that well, like what the, <laughs> the fact that they just killed off Scarlett Johansson. No, I think that was after before that. Was, right? was right before that yeah it was before the he it was discovered. the moment before because she wasn't home we just we well, she wasn't home. I, I think that's what it was i thought that they were coming to kill that's, I thought Scarlett that's how they knew that she was there or that they that's why they were searching the house is because they had they had discovered scarlett johansson they uh executed her and he didn't know that but they they mm-hmm. showed up at the house to uh to figure out what was going on to find secrets or whatever or you know and so they're coming to come uh, and take her and kill her uh, they haven't found her yet I I think it is after, but I mean, you know, um, I think because like they're they're clearly there, and I don't think it was like a tip off. I don't think they knew who they were looking for. She was probably spotted handing out the flyer things that she was handing out. They realized she caught her, and they're like, "Let's go search her house because if she's a sympathizer, yeah, then she's probably got something to hide in the house." Blah blah. blah. Was anybody else? Not in a bad way, maybe so. Like, was anybody else confused about Sam Rockwell's character? Was was so, do you think yeah, he was I, a on the side of Scarlett Johansson's character of being kind of a I mean, free Germany kind of guy? Because early on we introduced him as the he got injured so he couldn't be in the German forces so he's a jaded drunk uh, instructor of these these young boys in uh, the Third Reich regime. The turn didn't make any sense. So I mean, what happens is JoJo gets influenced by imaginary Adolf Hitler to not be. St- make not to be discouraged by being made fun of but to embrace him as in his best quality so he 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 runs into sam rockwell's character teaching the kids how to throw a grenade and he just takes a grenade and throws it but then it bounces off a tree and it blows up in his face so not only does jojo get injured and he gets scarred but sam rockwell's character because of that incident gets dismissed demoted. from demoted mm-hmm. thank you um and it's just kind of a paper pusher taking care of other injured fellows or fellowettes. Yeah. I, I mean, I personally thought I was very confused his, by him. His character was like, I, I know like I could use an example from real life of a uh, flamboyantly gay artist who's uh, from a Mexican background who is a hardcore Trump supporter. Mm. And there is just like this weird, like projection issue of assimilation that is kind of fascinating. The, um, that is sort of a pick and choose the things that I want to like, but when you're facing a moment of like, oh, should this young girl die? Sam Rockwell's character was like, no, 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 like she shouldn't die. I, that's fine. Like that's not why we're fighting this war. I'm just here to fight this war for these other things, like you know, and whatever he used to justify it in his mind. It felt like something along those lines where he okay. was, he had justified certain elements. He changed of, a little the bit. The economy is doing really good, and Hitler's not really that bad. But that scene in, in particular where the girl pretends to be the sister and 
they're checking her papers and Sam Rockwell is the one who looks at her papers and yeah. makes her recite like when the birthday is. And clearly this girl has no idea when the birthday is and she's no, makes them close. Close, close, you know, close but no cigars. She says, she says May, May the 1st and it's when really it's May, really May, May 7th. 7th which one and seven, you can tell in the, in the reverse shot of him that he knows but you can, you can also tell that that was a turning point for him where he was yeah. seeing how much this mattered. And then and, and in the sentiment he says about uh, uh, Jojo's mother, like she was a good person. And I mean, and he, and he yeah. says like a genuinely good person, yeah. meaning what she was fighting for was really what he also probably shouldn't fighting for all along. And then he does Jojo a favor at the very end because Jojo's wearing a, a jacket that says he's like an army guy that the Americans who have stormed this town mm -hmm. take him into the same pile where they've taken all the other Germans who they've surrendered. And uh, Sam Rockwell's character rips the jacket off of him and pretends to call him a Jew yeah. in order to save Jojo from being also taken. And then uh, presumably shot because we hear that yeah. Jojo runs away. There's shock wound. Um, his character but it was just confusing about was he like that always? Did he change? And I guess that's what I was trying to bring up. Was I yeah. think what do you he, think? I think his? what the movie was trying to say was like he was a. Oh, uh, I don't know. Okay, so do y'all think he was homosexual? Yeah, he, yes, one hundred percent. And I think that's a problem. Is that like I don't? It's not outright. Unless I mean. Hmm. And there's, oh, I there's thought it was parts pretty overt. You wanted, guess, did you want him to be RuPaul? Like, what did you want yeah. him to? <laughs> no, I think it's like it's one of those things where um, it was there, but it, it was never like really like outright said, and you're kind of left to wonder like, was he gay or wasn't he gay? And I think that's a, I think that's a problem. And like, I guess if he was gay, why, why was it? If a problem, he was though? gay, then he was um um then I guess the idea is that he was, he was suppressing these, these feelings because clearly homosexuality in, in the uh, Reich is not, a th you, it was, was both, yeah, both sentiments are interesting though. Nazis because, uh, um, did execute homosexuals. That's what both, I'm saying. Both sentiments sure, interesting so though because that's I, I've lived with somebody who is gay and also was a Republican and there is that, that what Bo is saying is true and what you are saying is true too, where it, it maybe wasn't enough to like, do we really buy someone who is, obviously gay supporting anybody who would literally murder people of its kind I, but also in turn that's the thing about assimilation this is i wasn't saying that i was saying that he is clearly like supporting it. i don't think he was supporting hitler in the country i think he was as one does to stay away from getting killed or out of spotlight mm. he went to war and he did his his duty and he just um and to hide the fact that he was gay if that's what they were trying to do with that character i think that was a suppression and that's why like he let it out at the end and he let his freak flag fly kind of thing or whatever you know of, of just realizing the americans are there but you know he was still kind of fighting there i don't think there was a big huge support and again that's why he was like i don't necessarily agree wholeheartedly with this whole thing i might believe in my country and my people and protecting them but i don't agree with this whole jew killing business the same way because i'm homosexual and i'm different you know and, and that kind of thing possibly but because it's not overt i think it's i i'm i'm not a you person i can't say this uh because i uh, with any sort of like a, i can't say this with 100 percent confidence but i feel like this has been a problem in other movies that people have brought up like with um another taika watini movie thor ragnarok uh um tessa thompson says her character is bisexual but that's not 
over at all, you know? And so people were like, you can't just like you say that, but like that doesn't make it true, you know? And the same thing with like a Disney character. They're like, oh, we have like one of the first Disney characters in Beauty and the Beast is one of them is going to be gay coded, but it's not shown at all throughout the movie. So it's like, that was the moment, like at the end when he's dancing with a guy, that's what you're talking about. These are two gay characters. It doesn't make any, it's not, it's not enough because it feels like representation that's not it's not earned I is what, what, I, is what I I'm what I think that's why I say, I say that's why it's a that. problem because we don't know for sure because it is such a question now I will say again I, if it is true that he's gay that makes a lot of sense with the oppression and stuff as I said but because I, it's not over I think as we're entering this era of more inclusion um for me, I love personally, I mean, existing somewhere with a higher number on the Kinsey scale than you, that I would say I personally love seeing more fully fleshed out characters uh, on uh, whether they're homosexual, queer, uh, bisexual or anything else, not having to overtly identify within the context of the film. This is what I am. This is who I'm attracted to specifically because straight people have never had to do that in the history of goddamn film is like, you don't have to be like, I am 100% straight. I am 90% straight. And you know what? I, like it's it, like the idea that they have to just so, like hardline define it is problematic in my opinion. And this is my own takeaway from this is that I do feel like I enjoy it where it is left a little bit nebulous and ambiguous because that is the real world we live in where people are ambiguously, um, you know, uh, existing in their sexuality. And I, I think that's kind of a cool thing to watch. I know recently one of the things uh, you didn't bring up, but I think one of the most 3D characters of something you recently watched was uh, Lee Pace's character in Holt and Catch Fire as a character who is bisexual, but that doesn't really define the choices he's making. It's not a struggle of his character. Mm-hmm. It's specifically about his bisexuality or anything. And like, that's one of those characters that like, I was just like, Oh God, that's fucking great. That it doesn't, it's there, but it doesn't have to be about that. I can see what you're saying. That Matthias about no, like, I agree. No, so, I agree with you. so that's I, why it's an interesting uh, conversation. I agree with you. Um, I just think that I, I feel like I've heard it said a lot and maybe that's why, again, I can't say I'm like 80% sure like this might be a problem. It might not be, you know, but it be, mm. I think the vagueness there is, I don't know. Uh, whereas I can, I agree with you. There's something about it that it was so vague and you're like, and it's hard to really pinpoint for sure whether or not he is and what that really did for like what it really meant to him. I don't know. It's not again, yeah, 80%. I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I, read, read, I read it as 99% him and Alfie Allen's characters are both homosexual. I can see what you're saying like, though. About the, the Marvel, the people retroactively saying, well, this character was bisexual or gay all along. I do agree with that sentiment that, that, that it's like the JK Rowling school of, retroactively changing a character fundamentally just to get a click like that's annoying like i agree with we do need more inclusion in films but what bo is saying is true as well that we don't have to then also fit it in and make sure you know that that character is gay 100 percent in order to somehow pass some test of inclusion 
you yeah. know, this character, there's one moment where they look at each other and they're kind of, they're having a moment together and even just the demeanor of, uh, what's that actor's name again? One more time. Alfie Allen. Alfie, Alfie Allen. Allen. There's like a moment yeah. when they're by the pool that I kind of got a feeling early on that, that maybe that's who he was, but that isn't the part that matters. You know, yeah. I think it adds a layer to the character that then in this ending moment where he, yeah. he val- truly to bring it back like that, then he validates the kid's mother and says she was a genuinely good person. We can tell he also in a, in a way has gone through an arc of change. We can tell that he has come to terms with this is who I am. This is really probably what I've been supporting all along. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I'm seeing my comeuppance. I'm about to die in like a minute and a half. And I need to do this thing for this kid. That's, that's think, really what's but important. But do you think everyone's going to be able to get that? Which no. is, I think it's a problem. Well, that's, I mean, that, yeah. that's Wait, a well, thing. Is it a problem is, though that, that, that was, I, I can see that your need for more clarity, but I can, I, I, because I, I, I want to say I want to agree with you and I love that arc for him but at the same time I can't necessarily say that for sure 100% that that is exactly what it was but at the same time the point I, th- I, I honestly think where uh, where Taika Waititi is going with this is to and, and this is a big part of the LGBTQ um, movement right now is to move past the heteronormative kind of default position that we have in which unless a character tells us they are otherwise straight, they are straight. Mm. And I Mm. think that's kind of the, the thing we're moving towards now is just like looking at someone and being like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're straight. If they're not like, you know, flamboyantly, you know, which, which by the end of the movie, he is very Elton John esque in his military outfit. The outfit but, concepts for him were super funny. Oh my God. They were like, so even good. Like, Cause you think about that time again, and that's also a moment where you transport yourself back to like the early forties, late thirties where like the, yeah. the fear of difference, the fear of homosexuality and the fear of the, the Jews on the German side. And then you have this character mm-hmm. who's supposedly like he was a, a higher ranking at one point person in the German army yeah. who's showing this child who objectively who this child should not give a shit what this guy I cares about. He's showing mm-hmm. these concept drawings, this, this, uh, this, uh, pitch deck drawings of his, his outfit he's going to wear. Yeah. It's great. It's, it shows you not necessarily, not even his, his sexuality side. It just shows the inside of that person. Mm-hmm. the little detail like that that shows I, you more I the inside of the person the, than than just yeah, the sexuality so i, I think we're all dancing around may, saying the same thing but in uh, understanding the different perspectives i think so what i i just just to wrap up my thoughts mm-hmm. on the on that subject in particular is i i want to clarify it's not like i i didn't want to see him kissing another man or something or him to you know come out and say like i'm gay you yeah. know um but i will i think in the context of this film and how totally different it was and how like comedic it was there was nothing there that i still if it wasn't for one little moment that was kind of like oh that was a moment uh between him and alfie allen not at the pool but like when they just stared when at the each other or whatever yeah, yeah. Well, um, if it the, wasn't the, for the that feeding him if, cake if, or something when they busted in the room there even were a few that, of those even that felt like because of the comedic nature of this film just felt like quirks to me like if you hadn't if you didn't tell me that like i would have thought like that was just a straight guy with these weird quirks i thought he was just they were both just being like they were finding quirky things to do on the set and 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 like improving these character moments that they could have just to have fun with it you know which again for me just wasn't a clear like i it, it still could have been a, a straight person 
with these weird, funny, quir- flamboyant quirks. Tyco, and, and like, I wouldn't even call them flamboyant. I think dressing good or having like feathers in your hair doesn't necessarily make you gay either. I think it just makes you like a, a like a, a quirky kind of like a uh, person, you know, or like whatever. You know, he wanted to be different or whatever. Yeah, you know, so for me yeah, again, it's, Ty- it's, not, it's not the Tyco. Tyco is very interested in characters. Yeah, like it's that. not. Like, that he that likes characters, him, yeah. the small roles. Like if you think about it, for the Will people, for example, the the brother of the girl. Um, the the amount of personality that drips from that character, or um, at the very end of the movie, uh, the character who's his that actor's name is always going to escape me. He's from he's Murray in Fly of the Concords, but he plays the character who at the end of the Hunt for Wilder People, um, they find him and he's like pretending to hide in the bushes, like he has a bush outfit and he's pretending like he's he's hiding. He's got a big beard. He's very eccentric. You could tell there's a whole backstory behind that character. Clearly, there's a lot to, to take from that, but he likes yeah. giving you only a taste of it. Because he likes the flavor every, of like, every character, and that's what Sam Rockwell's character to me felt like. Or even yeah. you could say like the the not Nick Frost character. Like yeah. that kid is a lot of drips with personality not. and fun, but he, he uses them very in subservience to yeah. knowing when to focus back to the story. Yeah, so would, we're all dancing around these things about this character and who he is, but really at the end of the day it's not, what matters that's what more to, to say it matters is, more to what he means to jojo i guess yeah i guess that's so, what i was trying but to like, get at yeah i, I mean, was confused but by we're his not dancing around the same thing because again like i whereas like i don't need them to outright like say he's gay also the things that he did weren't necessarily like uh exclusive to being like gay like i can still like love fashion or you know feed a guy a person cake and not be gay. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, what I, I think that's, that, like, that's what I'm trying to say is that like, for me, I think it is sort of a little bit of a problem that these things, like, I don't know if it was trying to be that or not. And it's just, I don't know. That's just my final. It is, sure, it I is problematic if the filmmaker doesn't get across if they're trying to accomplish something. And this one might take a little bit more digestion, but if, if that's what he was trying, if it's what he was trying to get across, then it is problematic if people didn't read it correctly. I guess right. what I was trying to get at was not necessarily that part of it, but the fact that Jojo did something to get him demoted, and yet he's still like championing this kid as if that never happened. That was the thing that I was, guessing. Yeah. I was confused more about. Than I don't really know that he meant that much to Jojo, to be all honest. Like, again, that's the part of the problems with the movie is but like none of those things landed. That, you know, what you're saying yeah. is Rockwell's character is still like, I still love and respect this kid enough to even sacrifice my own life for him by the end, even though he did this dumb thing but, that got me promoted. Like, that just makes him a self-sacrificial character in an interesting way. I, yeah. I think it may, I think Sam Rockwell's character was very interesting, but I don't know that I agree that I don't know I don't understand like why I don't know we could talk about this all day I don't know why he felt the need to do that except for the fact that he's a good guy you know and clearly was like okay you, this is a kid who's about to get executed clearly we're, I'm not going to let you do that so he he made a plan to do that you know I don't know it was, it was necessarily that he loved Jojo more than any of the other kids unless he no, saw unless it was he, just no, this was sure. the right thing in the moment it this was yeah, me, yeah I'm probably going to die anyway I'm going to sacrifice myself and save a life because he, it's the right thing to do yeah and he did have that moral compass but you were also saying that it, it meant a lot his character meant a lot of Jojo and I'm not exactly sure that it did. No, I meant, did. I guess that I meant other way around. Oh. If you think about like, technically what Jojo did demotes this guy. And then the next scene we see them together, he's like kind of, he's like miffed at Jojo a little bit other than Scarlett Johansson kicking him in the nuts. But then he's just like, it's all right. Now we're, we're all chill now. Even though like mm-hmm. Jojo got him demoted. That's mm-hmm. what I was more getting reverse of what you were saying, I guess. Sneaky, mm-hmm. great performance though. That uh, the young girl was great. Yeah, at an, an extraordinarily subtle level. 
Elsa. I've never the, seen her before in anything before. She was yeah, great. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. She probably she hasn't was, been. In she much. was sneaky good. She was good. Yeah, yeah. It kind of it kind of reminded Rebel me. Rebel Wilson of was not wasted. Sorry. You saw, oh, do you thought I, so? Yeah, I was just gonna say the. Actress, I thought she didn't really do anything. Rebel Wilson. I don't hear Rebel Wilson. A few laughs, but nothing. Yeah, she yeah, reminded me of again because it's Taika's writing. It reminded me of Taika's character hunt for the Willow People. Uh, where when it, there's a character that dies early on, that means a lot to the main character, and then they has a funeral scene, and Taika plays the pastor, doing a doing a speech of like you don't see him in any other scene other than that one moment, but he's great, and I think that's the same with Rebel Wilson. Like she's not, she doesn't really matter in the big picture, but in the moments that she's given, she's she's serviceably funny as hell. Sure, I mean, yeah. yeah. I was going to say how, uh, so the actress who plays uh, Elsa, mm-hmm. Thomason McKenzie, she, for me, I mean, she definitely reminded me a lot of um, Soshana from Inglorious Bastards, who had a oh, similar yeah. enough role of being Shoshana, a Jewish yeah. girl, mm-hmm. hiding out, and then, you know, struggling during that same time period. Confident rebel. Um, yeah. And and just, like, the level of sass that went into her, like, I'm hiding, but I'm also not going to put up a bullshit. Like, fuck you. I will stand here and call you an asshole the way that Soshana's character and Glorious Bastards did to... You can see, especially the, of, you can the, see uh, the influence of Scarlett Johansson's character on her, too, in yeah. a motherly fashion, like... You know, be getting I, yeah. Scarlett Johansson. And I, I think the most, uh, so she's been in stuff like she was in the Hobbit uh, films as Astrid. Who could forget? But I, I didn't watch any of this. <laughs> but either way, uh, so she's also a New Zealander, which mm. led me into something interesting is I don't know. I, I mean, most of these characters were either American, New Zealand, British um the the lead kid um he's, roman he's from the uk here's my one gripe of the movie man no, he's, 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 all over he's the place. french and british nationality i thought it was interesting that it didn't seem like any actual actor in the movie was german even though oh, they i all, see even though they all played german. so representation for german so i thought I no, no, no 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 i don't give a shit about the, the representation you gave us hitler we're not giving you representation. how many soapboxes yeah, do you have hiding um, under this table Mitzi? this is a weird one uh, <laughs> no I, I i thought it was an interesting choice uh early on when they started the movie and it was in english and i thought yeah. like oh they're not going to do that like hunt for the red october or whatever sort of thing Oof. where they justify why this movie in right. Germany that would normally be characters speaking German or all speaking English. And then, or Tom the, Cruise and, and Valkyrie. And, and then the and I hate that yeah. one, but yeah. Uh, but there are moments where every once in a while, especially in the introductions of characters, like yelling something that I felt like that didn't sound German even a little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But right. I yeah. don't care because it's goofy and I'm Scarlet's, just enjoying it. Yeah, I was exactly getting at the sure. actions were really probably, whatever. We're yeah. just having fun. Probably because it was clearly made for American audiences. I'm not exactly sure that I agree that it always has to be like the nationality, you know, as long yeah. as, you know, and especially because like. Unless they're like a, an underrepresented minority uh, yes. group, which, yeah. sorry, Germany. Like, yeah. You don't, you don't get that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you said so. you, you were going to say something about like one problem. I don't know if it was a problem, but like it was a little consistent with the accents. And that's what I was getting at with what I was trying mm-hmm. to say is yeah. like the accents were inconsistent in performances whereas like these other movies like Valkyrie or mm-hmm. these movies that are like vomit inducing about not necessarily caring about that kind of shit but in a negative light um, this one felt more like the kids definitely swung in and out of whatever accent they were supposed to be portraying a lot of them almost like swung into Taika's 
Like was Taika doing his New Zealand shtick? Partly German shtick. Yeah, he was, like, that's uh, even he was, uh, felt like he. Yeah, that was my. That's my only like. That's it. my only like. Take myself yeah. out of the moment. Not but a gripe, a, but more of like a comedy. Mm, is, but, it, is it forgiving? Yeah. But maybe that's what I'm saying. It's a little. It's a little forgiving because of the parody elements of it. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. because it, I mean, it almost felt a little bit like uh, like Mel Brooks that we. I mean, I already referenced the producers at the beginning of this, and but it it was sort of like oh, if it's a shit comedy, like it's almost like an SNL sketch. Like we, it's okay that it's not perfect. Like these are performers. It just stayed in the parody. It didn't. I think that's yeah. why this movie. I can see people being turned off and being checking out because the minute it doesn't do the parody stuff, they're like, "Well, I came here to see a comedy movie about you know. I came for that's a good Kiko impression right there. You're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I came here. <laughs> oh. Did Hurricane Kiko actually happen, or was it just a tropical storm? I don't remember. Was did tonight? Did we see tropical <laughs> storm Kiko? <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I, I'm so curious to follow up with that. I, I can't I'm bummed. Like, I, and not it's to discourage so him, weird. I think he has his right to decide to leave and not want to yeah, do it. It's but totally I'm bummed because okay. I want to know his opinion because I think yeah. that's that to me is exciting. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, no matter what, like I would say, we on a score of one to ten, we'd at least all three of us put this movie at least a seven or an this eight. is seven. This is like a seven minimum plus seven movie for all of us. Right? I would say, sure. no? yeah, sure, seven. You seem yeah. you seem unenthused. No, I'm. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know about. It's it's one of those things that has to sit with me for a bit, and there's gonna be and there's gonna be podcasts I well, listen to that like show, that, that I need I'm to always listen. more optimistic, I'd say, uh, than you guys. I'm closer to a nine on this scale, honestly. Like I fucking love this movie. It's one of my favorite movies I've seen this year. So. I would agree with that too. I, yeah, I think like I. It's the, weird that I just that the idea that this is the one movie that we've seen in the last three months or whatever since we've been doing this that someone walked out of. It's kind of odd to me in the sense that the more I think about the movie, the more I get excited about it. And sometimes movies yeah. do that. It's so sometimes I've had the inverse version of that, where like I saw the movie Twentieth Century Women. Have you seen that movie before? No, no, no. Annette Benning, right? Yeah, so it's okay. the same filmmaker who made Beginners, which is one of yeah, my yeah, favorite yeah. films sure, of sure, all sure. time. Um, and when I remember seeing the movie, I remember being really, really moved by that movie. Yeah. But now, you know, years later, I can't tell you anything. about that happens in that movie or particularly why I felt moved. Not to say it's now a bad movie no. in my mind. I just remember being yeah. moved when I saw it. Now this movie is... is I'm going to revisit the, this movie for sure. I like, think I would revisit this movie. And I don't movie. know how many in the last couple months... Um, I don't know how many movies we've, we've watched and reviewed and talked about that I will revisit, but this one's probably the highest on the list of I want to watch it I again. would say this is the best movie we've seen. Uh, I, I totally to agree. Me, if, it's it not, is, if it's not the best movie of my 2019 list, it's pretty close. I would say so too. Like before I, we did the podcast, because I forget. Like yeah, well, before it, we did the podcast, what I was would you reading, say? Well, what movies did you see? Well, that like you would I mean, maybe get you we have to go to all the way back to um, us. Jordan Peele's movie came out in March. Like I forget that that was this year. Was like that I, really this year. That's what I mean. Like I, I'm like, oh man, it's 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 weird to think. That's about. not real. That was last year. No, no, no. Us was what well, us was March of this year. Jesus Christ. Us maze. <laughs> uh, like so, a friend of mine, uh, Kalina. That was a good movie. A friend of mine, Kalina Stiegel, wrote an article today that I read about um, possible best picture contenders, and and that was kind of where she started. She's like. You know, like the Oscars race started in March with the release of Us. And I'm like, holy shit, that was this year. Like, that's so weird to me. She's also wrong, but that's fine. 
That's just not. I mean, the the, the Oscar race always starts that early because I mean, last uh, literally a year ago, Black Panther came out in February. That's a different February of 2018 was when Black Panther. That's a different. It was nominated. That is was nominated. Totally different animal. That year was a aberration to me because that movie Mm. in the zeitgeist, it 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 in comparison to years in past, is an aberration. Usually. And now we're in this sequence of September, October, Not November, December. Always. I mean, I want to say Midnight in Paris was also a spring movie. Did it get the same? That did, was. Are you that, telling that me? one screenplay and was nominated for picture. Are you telling me there, Midnight there, in Paris culturally wasn't as zeitgeist important as Black Panther? <laughs> no. They were promoting Black what Panther. What I'm saying at, is. Maybe that's what. They were what I'm Black saying Panther is last every year you can awesome. probably find. Not every year, but almost every year, you can find at least one film that came out much earlier in the year that is sure. somewhere in the debate. That's fair, but and that especially as we're to now on eight or nine like movies being probably nominated. the contender. The Oscars also are goofy in that way, where yeah. like they celebrate stuff that they just because people are so immediate, and, and it's always been that way. Yeah, Oscars um, was really this year. Oh, God damn, um, I saw. Yeah. Uh, and then not I too would much say other than after. this, the other movies. This is. Yeah. Equally a shout out as it is a comparison. The other movies I saw this year that I felt the same kind of conviction for: Last Black Man in San Francisco. I didn't was see that. Really, really no. good. Um, yeah. The more I think about Joker, I don't feel the same way that I did when we saw it. That night was wonky. No, I still to this day, numerous people have asked me this, and I keep saying the same thing over and over about Joker: is I think it was phenomenal acting, great production design, cinematography, editing, score. But it was a first draft script, and Todd Phillips is not a talented enough director to have taken it to new heights beyond a basic ass story. And that was it. It was just like it's just not there. They didn't. They, it wasn't like he was just like was I'm going to pay homage. It felt like a speaking of band of 20th century women. Yeah, it felt like a movie absolutely. of the moment where when you walk out of it, you're like, wow wow was really something special and then a month or so down the line i guess it's almost been a month now almost i would say yeah a few weeks we're yeah. now talking about it in the way like it was good yeah you know i can see why people liked it or didn't yeah. like it whereas, whereas this movie yeah i, I do I, think Jojo i think it's gonna have a building momentum i don't know if on a on, yeah. on a large scale probably not i dig it yeah i think it's something's gonna resonate over time i think people will ultimately uh view it with a positive lens um and I'm really glad that someone like that is making this type of movie. It, me too. It just, it fucking tickles me. He's just a good dude. He's <laughs> tickle me timbers, dude. Yeah. So, <laughs> critics on tab, Jojo Rabbit, all that shit, review responsibly. Bye-bye. Bye.